It's time for the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. A year ago yesterday, I produced the first episode of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. We continue things here on episode 51, taking a look at the rest of the division previews before the NFL season kicks off. We have a look at some fantasy football talk and a look at Andrew Luck's retirement. All that and so much more. Stay tuned. Indeed, I'm glad you connected. This is Dave Johnson, voice of the Washington Wizards. You have connected to the right place because you are listening to my man, Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. All right, episode 51 of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. As always, I am your host, Josh Kirby. We're part of the Mayo Please Podcast Network. Make sure you check them out, www.mayoplease.com, SoundCloud, the Mayo Please, Spotify at the Mayo Please, Twitter at the Mayo Please. You can find them anywhere. Just search up the Mayo Please. And as always, we are sponsored by Route 11 Chips. Make sure to find a bag today inside your local Martin's Food Line and Giant stores. And if you haven't catched last week's episode, episode 50, it was a great one. I had Clinton Portis call in on the phone last week. And um, if you haven't checked it out, make sure you check it out because it is a very great episode. I know a lot of you have enjoyed it, and I appreciate all the support. A year ago yesterday, I started this journey on the Josh Kirby on Sports podcast. I, I just cannot believe how much success I have had since the start of this podcast. A year strong looking to keep things going into the 100th season of the NFL. I can't wait to bring you all great coverage throughout the NFL season. Hey, last week started it. Week zero of the college football season. Some people called it week zero. But that marked the first weekend the first day, I believe it was Saturday, if I'm correct, the first weekend with football for the next five months. I'm pumped. I'm sure you are. So let's get this stuff started. Before we begin, thank you to Dave Johnson and Jerry Beats Official, as always. And we're going to get into some more division previews. We're going to crank out the rest of these division previews, getting you ready for the 100th season of the National Football League, starting off with the NFC West uh, division with the Seattle Seahawks, Arizona Cardinals, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Los Angeles Rams. I want to start off with the, um, the Rams. The Rams, as you know, they got Sean McVay from Washington, and they had a killer year. The Rams made it to the Super Bowl, ended up losing to the New England Patriots. Uh, what a heartbreak that was. But, you know, the Patriots, one of the best of the best. But the Rams, I, I see them not losing any ground. 
I mean, they, on defense, I want to talk about their defense first. Adding key additions in Eric Weddle and Clay Matthews. Keeping that defense strong. Todd Gurley's still in the backfield. Jared Goff is still there. The Rams, I, I see them winning 14 games this season. I see them getting a first-round bye, making it to the playoffs. Heck, I, I would even like to see them make the Super Bowl again. I feel like Sean McVay in this Los Angeles Rams team is special. I think their defense is going to be loaded with Eric Weddle and Clay Matthews. Um, I still can't believe Green Bay let uh, Matthews go, but... You know, it's gonna be interesting. I have the I have the Rams losing to the Saints and to the Bears. I think that's their two upset games. The Saints week two, as you know, the NFC championship game um ended up in that controversial no call, a pass interference call that gave the Rams um the victory essentially. And I think the Saints want revenge this game. And they're going to get a week two in, on September 15th. It's at the Coliseum, but still, I think the Saints are going to want revenge on this game because if that was a pass interference call, they probably would have made it to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. So I have them losing to the Bears in week 11 and the Saints in week two. Um I, I just don't see the Rams regressing at all. And I think they're going to be uh, on top of the NFC West this year. Um, Sean McVay is a great coach, and he's going to keep things rolling, in my opinion. Uh, let's move right along to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, you know, the Seahawks, I still find them as a playoff contender I predict them to be a wild card team this year. They still have Russell Wilson. They have Pete Carroll still under the helm at head coach. Um, Russell Wilson, I still believe he's a pro bowler. I still think he can get the job done. But, you know, the only problem I have with the Seattle Seahawks this year, the Legion of Boom is essentially all gone. You know, Richard Sherman over at San Francisco – I mean, Earl Thomas, he is in Baltimore, if I remember correctly. Um, but, yeah, you know, uh, some key pieces lost on defense. I feel like their defense isn't going to be the same this year. But the Griffin brothers, uh, I think they're going to have a good season again. Um, they have Chris Carson and Rashad Penny in the backfield um, at running back. I think they're going to have a good year, as always. And Russell Wilson, I, I could see him throwing for over 2,000 yards this year. Um, it just depends on the offensive line and um, how that they're, they're going to turn out. I, I think it's going to be a good year for Seattle. Not the best year. I think they're going to have some regression. I, I can see them going 9-7 and seven or 8-8. Eight and eight. This year, second place with a wild card. I, I predict them a wild card or just missing the playoffs because, um, you, you know, the West is a division. Yeah, I, I think the West is a division where it's going to be a dogfight between Los Angeles and Seattle for a playoff spot. You know, uh, Los Angeles is definitely going to get that first playoff spot, but I believe Seattle. 
they're still going to get the wild card. But it's going to be um, a race one and two between the Rams and the Seahawks. I think the Rams have first place lockdown, but, you know, this is a prediction podcast. So, heck, maybe the Rams go out in 16. I don't know. But I'm just giving you my thoughts and my opinion. And I think the Seahawks have second place lockdown. Um, moving on, I want to go to the San Francisco 49ers. Um, the 49ers are a team, I feel, they'll be in third place pretty locked down. I, I think this division, once again, is locked in. But as you know, I'm just I'm just a guy talking about what I think. So, who knows? Maybe the 49ers will get a 16 and out. You never know. But anyways, Jimmy Garoppolo is still there. Um, I think he's gonna uh, he's poised for a breakout season this year. George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the league, um, at um and but the 49ers, in my opinion, they're still struggling. Um, but Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle on that offense, they still have Pierre Garcon, who hasn't played that great. Um, last season, if I believe, I haven't watched much of the San Francisco 49ers, but um. I, I think the 49ers um, can still get four to eight wins. Um, I can't really predict a solid number, but I, I think between four and eight wins, solidly locking up third place. And the reason why I say they're locking third place is because of the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals, I believe, are going to have a very rough season. First-year head coach in Cliff Kingsbury. I still don't understand why the Cardinals hired him because he had a losing record in college. I've said this before, but Cliff Kingsbury, I think he's going to have a lot of work to do. You know, after last year, um, Steve Wilkes getting tossed after his first year. Um, you have Kyler Murray, a brand new first round quarterback. Um, I think he's young. I think he's small. And this year, I think the Cardinals are going to be rebuilding. And Cliff Kingsbury, um, I, I remember saying this before. Um, he is the one who is allowing cell phone breaks for the team. I feel like that's very unprofessional. That's just my opinion. But I, I think... I think the Cardinals are going to be in last place, guaranteed, um, zero to four games won. Because the Cardinals, I I just think they're going to be rebuilding, and they'll be rebuilding for a little while. Um, Who knows? I could be wrong, but um, I I just don't see much from the Arizona Cardinals this year um, due to the fact Cliff Kingsbury, first-year head coach, Kyler Murray. You don't have that many weapons. Um, Larry Fitzgerald is about the only guy I know who's who could be poised to have another 2,000, 3,000-yard season. Um, I don't know. But he's almost on the edge of retirement. Who knows? Maybe he is retired. I, I'm not. I'm not even sure if he's still there. But as far as I know, Larry Fitzgerald is a Cardinal still. Um, but yeah, in, in total, I think the standings are pretty lock solid. The Rams in first, Seattle in second with the wild card, and the 49ers in third, and the Cardinals in 
fourth place, last place in the division. Moving right along, we're going to cover the AFC South now. And I wanted to get to the AFC South, um, another coinciding topic, with the Indianapolis Colts and Andrew Luck announcing his retirement from the NFL. Um, Very early in my opinion, but I respect the decision from Andrew Luck. Um, Pain has taken away his love for football. Um, And, I, I mean, he's gotten injured a lot. But Andrew Luck has been a player who did what he could with what he had. And he still played pretty well for the Colts and got the Colts a good amount of wins. You know, not usually playoffs every year. He did. He was in the playoffs a couple of years, but not every year. But the Colts, they weren't that solid. But Andrew Luck had what he had, and he made do, and he played pretty well. And I respect Andrew Luck for that. And all the fans that started booing him are are you kidding me are you serious now like for real you were booing Andrew Luck because of retirement like after that preseason game I can't believe you all anybody who thinks Andrew Luck made a wrong decision by retiring is ridiculous you know the like that Doug Gottlieb tweet um he's on FS1 I, I saw it on Twitter. He said, like, uh, that's what millennials say now. Like, and it, it's ridiculous, you know? A- Andrew Luck, I think, there's there's a life outside of football. Football is just for, you know, until you can't play anymore, you know? And, you know, with mental health these days and whatnot, I, I think Andrew Luck made the right decision stepping away from football. He has a family. He, he has a life after football. And I, I I don't think he should waste that getting injured still with an NFL team if pain has taken his love away from the game of football. Because um, you, you have everything to live for. The NFL is just a stepping stone. Like... In my opinion, you play, you do great, and you you might have some losing seasons here and there. But the NFL, it's temporary, and you have a lot more to live for. And I respect Andrew Luck for that decision. Um, all the fantasy owners who drafted Andrew Luck before he announced retirement, I do apologize to all of you because I am I I just can't believe that he retired, but. He ruined your league. So it's going to be the Jacoby Brissett show. Um, I I don't know who the Colts could pick up. I, I think Jacoby Brissett's going to be running the show. And uh, I think after this Andrew Luck retirement situation, uh, I think the Colts are going to be finding their identity this year. Um, I could see them winning anywhere from eight to five wins, in my opinion, with the um, shock of Andrew Luck retiring. Um, I think the team is going to have to work with Jacoby Brissett, um, going to have to find some wide receiver targets and have a good line to protect him. You know, Jacoby Brissett played very well in New England um, when Tom Brady wasn't there, but... um, it's going to be interesting to see with the Colts this year. It's going to be interesting to see what the whole AFC South division 
how this will shape up after the Andrew Luck retirement. So um, the the Colts, I could see them at a solid second or third place, not set in stone, but a team I think who can potentially break out is Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. Deshaun Watson, he's been injured in the past, but if he's healthy, I believe he will be a, an explosive part to this Houston Texans offense. And uh, I, I see them going 10-6 and six this year. Um, that might be a little bit high for some people, but I could see them going 10-6 and six and possibly getting a playoff spot or a wild card spot. Um, but, you know, 10-6 and six in the league isn't a guaranteed playoff spot. Um You've seen that from some teams. But the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien still under at head coach. Um, But the Texans have three key road games that I have them losing. They play week one at the Saints, week three at the Chargers, and week six at the Chiefs. Those are three tough games that is the highlight of the Houston Texans schedule. But um I I, I think they'll still do well. I, I I believe they're going ten and six, but who knows? Maybe they could lose um more, maybe they can lose less. But I think if Deshaun Watson can stay healthy, he will be an explosive part to the Houston Texans. Um next on the list here's the Tennessee Titans. Second-year head coach Mike Vrabel, um, Ryan Tannehill, the backup spot for Marcus Mariota now. In my opinion, um, last year Mariota was um, injured um, towards the end of the season, and Blaine Gabbard came in, took his place. Um, But, you know, if Mariota can stay healthy, I think he can get the job done pretty well. I think the Titans are going to struggle either way. But if Mariota can't stay healthy or he can't perform, I think that's when Ryan Tannehill could step in and take the starting role from Marcus Mariota. But um, in my opinion, I have them at a record of 6-9, and nine, uh, third or fourth place uh, finish in the uh, – NFC, what was it, the NFC South, excuse me, but um, Tennessee, um, you know, I haven't really watched much of them recently, I haven't really followed them, but based on what I've seen, I think Marcus Marietta um, will be good if he stays healthy, but if not, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tannehill comes in and makes something out of a, a not-so-good season. And moving right along to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think this is another team. They're struggling. They were in the AFC Championship game against the Patriots two years ago, I believe. I don't remember off the top of my head. But Nick Foles from the Philadelphia Eagles coming in. He's probably going to be the starter moving on out into the season. They have some tough games. They play the Chiefs, the Saints. Um, two and the Chargers. So, um, three games that are tough for the Jags. But I think Nick Foles is a great pickup, and I think the Jags are gonna um win six to eight games this season. I think they might be more of a third place finish team. But this division is up in the air, in my opinion. Um, uh, so we'll just have to see in. 
the defensive side of the football for the Jaguars, you have Josh Allen. I think he's going to be poised for greatness this season. He's a seven-round draft pick. You have Jalen Ramsey still and Calais Campbell, who could possibly do great things for the defense this season. But you, you never know. Um, you got to stay healthy in this league. But the defense, I, I could see them um, doing some good stuff. But the offense, um, Leonard Fournette behind Nick Foles, I, I think he'll do pretty well. But I, I think the Jags are still going to struggle. But who knows? I could see the, I, I could potentially see them winning 9 to 10 games. But um, I, I think in my predictions, I have them at a safe 6 to 8 wins this season. I have the Houston Texans going first place. I have Indianapolis going I I'm saying the second place team. See this this excuse me, this division is so flexible after Andrew Luck after Andrew Luck's retirement. It's just so up in the air in my opinion. So, I'm going to put the Colts in third place. I'm going to put the Jags in second place and the Titans I, I I don't know. I mean, the Titans, I could see them third to last place. The Colts, third to last place. I The only team I could see making second place is the Jaguars. But, you, you know, this division, I haven't really watched much of them. So, yeah, but I believe it's up in the air all because of this Andrew Luck retirement stuff. But who knows? Um, that is the AFC, NFC West and AFC South, um, for right now. Um, I'm gonna play a segment now, uh, talking about some fantasy football action, getting you in your fantasy football league ready for the start of fantasy football season with another special guest. Stay tuned for this episode and we'll be right back to finish off the schedule previews. Stay tuned. All right, Josh Kirby back with you on the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. As always, brought to you by Ride 11 Chips. Make sure you find a bag today inside your local Martin's Food Line and Giant Stores. This segment I have on is um, sort of different. We didn't do this last year, but um, this um, time we have a special guest once again. We have Jason Kamlowski, a writer for Dynasty Football Digest and Prospects Live, bringing you all you need to know for your upcoming fantasy football season. So, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show with us. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing well. How, how are you doing? I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I, I, I'm doing just fine, man. I, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say for um, for what needs to be done for everybody to have a great fantasy football league this year. So tell us a little bit about your gigs writing for dynasty football and prospects live. Uh, yeah. So the, the dynasty football digest, it, it kind of came about, I played in what was called the Scott fishbowl last summer, which is the biggest fantasy football league in the country. There were 1200 teams in the league. They break you down in different divisions. You, uh, you know, you get paired up with, uh, industry writers, uh, you know, across the fantasy football landscape. I actually won my way in playing a satellite. And uh, we had a group text for the for the league I was in, for our division. And one of the guys who was in the, 
in the group text, you know, he did kind of a call for writers back in February and I sent him a message on Twitter and, uh, he, he looked at some of my work, you know, his name is, uh, Nate cheat on Twitter. He, uh, Nate looked at some of my work, great guy brought me on. Uh, and really he's just kind of given me free reign to write about whatever I want. Um, you know, I've done, I've done my, my, uh, running back tiers, tight end tiers. I've done some team tiers, I uh, did a lot of stuff leading up to the draft back in the spring where I was I was breaking down film of quarterbacks, and uh, and then from that, Prospects Live, which is a, a baseball prospects website, they uh, one of the guys that I used to listen to on the Raz Raz Bowl uh, or Raz Bowl podcast, Ralph Lipschitz, he uh, started his own website and he put out kind of the same thing, and so I sent him some of my work from the football website, and uh, it was kind of the same thing. He he interviewed me, looked at some of my work, and so they brought me on. So I've I've went to some baseball games, some minor league games around the area this summer, and uh, I take video and write about what I see. And and uh, we're about to bring out our top 100 baseball prospects. Uh, or we're going to do a postseason top 100, so that'll be coming out probably sometime in October, and we'll have blurbs on on all 100 guys. So uh, you guys can look for that. So that's uh, that's kind of how I got into this, and really it was just it was just being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah, same thing with me, right place at the right time. So um I will tag Jason on Twitter when we post this segment, but um for right now, let's get into some fantasy football. I want to start off um in your opinion, what are the keys to success this season in winning your fantasy league? Yeah, I think I think with anything, you know, with any league that you're in, you know, you kind of got to know what the draft room is and and I think the biggest thing before you go in, you know, it just depends on where your draft spot is. I would mock draft as much as I could. That's something that has worked out for me. You know, I'll I'll go into you know either Fantasy Football Calculator or some of these other mock draft sites and and I'll try to try to mock out of different spots just to see you know who's coming at me at these different different spots to to kind of formulate a game plan and see you know, where I'm at after the first, you know, three or four picks, because you're probably not going to lose your, your fantasy draft in the first or second round, right? I mean, you know, you're you're probably going to be able to make a solid enough pick in the first the first two rounds. But it's really when you get into that, you know, fifth and sixth and seventh round, I think doing the mock draft process is, is a good um, thing for, for any fantasy owner to do, you know, prior to heading into their draft room, just so you can kind of fiddle around with it a little bit and, and see what, what's going to fall to you depending on, you know, do you want to go running back wide receiver? Or do you want to go running back, running back? Do you want to go wide receiver, wide receiver? You know, do you want to jump up and grab one of those, one of those top three tight ends? And, and I think just playing around with that to see, you know, what the roster construction looks like and what works best for you. Uh, that, that is, that is something I would definitely recommend for sure is, is jumping on one of those and just kind of seeing, um, you know, what, what the roster construction is that you are most comfortable with when you leave your draft. Because really, I mean, you know, any fantasy team, I mean, it's yours for 16 weeks. So it, it's a living, breathing thing. And, and you know, it's one of those, you know, you've got to be able to, to work with this for 16 weeks. And it's a grind. But when you come out of the draft, you want to be comfortable with what you have, you know, on paper for, for a starting point with your team. Yeah, so... Moving into the different types of drafts, in your opinion, what's more better to work with, a snake draft in an 
or an auction draft? And and in your opinion, what are the differences between the two? You know, with the auction draft, you have a chance to get anybody, right? I mean, you know, with an auction draft, and, and that's the, the fascinating thing about fantasy football is, you, you know, you can play in so many different types of leagues. And you, know, you can get into a, a best ball situation where you just, you know, you draft 25 guys and, you know, they just take your top lineup for the, for the week and you don't, you know, you just set it and forget it. You know, you just, you just let it play out. But, you know, the, I think the auction draft is probably the most fair way to go because you have a shot at everybody. Uh, if you're doing a snake draft and, you know, you're picking out of the seven or eight spot, there's virtually no chance that you're going to get Saquon Barkley or Alvin Kamara or Zeke Elliott. I mean, unless something crazy happens in your draft room and one of those guys fall, which is just so rare, I think the auction the auction format just gives you more of an opportunity to to get these guys, and you can kind of build your roster however you want. I mean, I've been in auction drafts where where guys have spent a ton of money on three three studs, and then just kind of filled it in from there. You know, so they may go and spend a ton of money on on Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara and Devontae Adams. You know, so they've got three, essentially what would be three top ten picks in a snake draft. But, you know, they've got to kind of fill in. They do kind of a, a stars and scrubs kind of thing for the auction format. But, you know, I think there's merit to doing both. I think a lot of people, you know, traditionally do more of a snake draft thing just because that's that's kind of been the way that fantasy has been for probably, you know, the last 20 years. Um. But I know for me personally, the the auction format is definitely more fun. You know, I enjoy being able to determine how much money I'm going to spend on a player. And, you know, there's a lot of strategy involved there, too. A lot of times I'll throw a guy out maybe that, that I don't even want, you know, just see if I can get the rest of the room to bid up on him and spend their money. So, but, you know, with the snake draft thing, I mean, you, you can still, you know, there's a lot of strategy that goes into the snake draft, too, because, again, you know, you've got to kind of decide where you're at in, in the, you know, the the draft room, you know, are you are you picking one of those first four spots? Or are you you know are you closer to the, to the to the other end of the turn? Or are you right smack dab in the middle? So, you know, there's a lot of strategy involved with either one. But if I had to pick for me, it would definitely be the auction. Yeah, and um, d- continuing with the draft side of things, in your opinion, what is the position you would say would should be drafted number your first pick what position should be the first drafted in any league yeah i mean if it's if it's up to me i'm trying to get one of those you know if if i'm able to be in a draft room where i'm able to pick my my draft position the perfect draft spot for me is is uh you know in a 12 team i like to be like the four or five spot because that that you know, usually gives me a chance to have one of those first, you know, one of those top four running backs. When we're, you know, we're talking Saquon, we're talking Zeke, um, you know, we're talking Camaro, we're talking McCaffrey. So it, it gives me a decent chance to have one of those, you know, one of those running backs. So, you know, if I'm in the fourth or fifth or even sixth spot, depending on the draft room. Um, but then it also, you know, if, if all four of those running backs are gone and you're at the fifth or sixth spot, you know, maybe you can look at someone like Devontae Adams or, or you know, Nook Hopkins. But for me, you know, I just think the running back position is so volatile with with injuries because these guys, I mean, they just get killed every week. So, you know, I think there's a lot of safety in going with a wide receiver heavy approach. Um, those guys tend to have have a higher ceiling from week to week. 
Uh, and with the way the game is going, I mean, even even their floor anymore is is as good as as most running backs outside of those guys that are you know like McCaffrey or Barkley, where they're catching you know eighty ninety balls in the season. So I, I would prioritize wide receivers probably over running backs, and it seems like that's probably zigging where everybody else is going to zag, which is another reason I like to do it this year. I've got my big money league coming up Thursday. And I will probably go with a wide receiver heavy approach just because I think there's more value in that right now with with how many people are trying to get running backs early. Yeah. So, um, as you know, Andrew Luck did retire in that screwed up a lot of people's fantasy drafts. So in your opinion, um, who's a good replacement for Andrew Luck? I mean, I think you can look at Jacoby Brissett, depending on what your situation is. You know, if you're in a super flex league, you could do worse than Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Brissett, Brissett did a, a nice job throwing in for luck two years ago. And, you know, New England kind of traded him for, for a song to, to the Colts. But, I mean, Jacoby Brissett will be a, a serviceable QB too. But, you know, if you're one of those guys that drafted, you know, Andrew Luck, you know, early, and by early I'm going to say, you know, fifth or sixth round, the quarterback's just so deep. Um, I won a league last year where, where I ended up picking up Ben Roethlisberger you know, if it's a bi-week replacement, and then I just kept him because, you know, and I think he ended up, I mean, he was, he, he ended up in the top 10 of quarterbacks and, and he traditionally does, but a lot of times he, you know, a guy like that goes undrafted. So if I drafted Andrew Luck, I mean, I wouldn't be, wouldn't be hitting the panic button here. And, you know, you, you could go out and get a number of guys. I mean, I would be looking at, you know, guys like uh, Lamar Jackson, who I think has probably the widest range of outcomes of any quarterback you know, in football this year, as far as fantasy goes, you know, he could be a league winner with his legs or, you know, he could be a complete disaster if he hasn't figured out how to throw the football, but I would be super comfortable with, with Lamar Miller as a replacement. Um, you know, and then some other guys I would look at are guys like Philip Rivers, you know, he's, a, he's a veteran, 37 years old, but you know, he's got some good weapons in San Diego, with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Uh, and even with no Melvin Gordon, you know, he's got Hunter Henry coming back as a red zone target and, you know, then Austin Eckler and, uh, you know, in the backfield, you know, he'll he'll fit in fine. I mean, he's he's filled in ably for, for Melvin Gordon, you know, the past couple of years when Gordon's been banged up. So I think Phillip Rivers, you know, could, could be a good option there. And then, if, you know, if you want to keep going even further down, I mean, you can look at someone like Jameis Winston because Bruce Arians should do wonders for him uh, this year. And, again, you talk about another team with some major receiving weapons, you know, with Mike Evans and – and Chris Godwin, who's who I'm super high on this year, and and, and OJ Howard. So th- there's plenty of guys out there that that you can replace Luck with. The issue with with you know if you drafted Andrew Luck is that who else could you have had instead of drafting him? And, and that's kind of the the conundrum you're in when you take these quarterbacks early. You know, with a position that's that deep. Um, you know, outside of my homes, I mean, that, you know, you're not talking like this wide discrepancy of points every week. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't hit the panic button if I was if I was an Andrew Luck owner. You know, I would just move on to Plan B. But but there are plenty of of guys out there that you can go and pick up and, and you know fill in for him. All right. So I'm um, moving on now. In your opinion, Jason, um. What's a better league, a standard league or a PPR league? And in your opinion, what are the differences in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I I would, in my perfect world, I always almost always pick PPR. But what I've tried to push my leagues to is is half point PPR. 
Um, and then I'll, I also play in a couple leagues that are that are tight end premium. So maybe the tight end gets a point and a half per catch or, or two points per catch to kind of bump up the tight end, you know, value there. I, and I get where people don't think that PPR, you know, is necessarily a good thing because you could have a guy catch seven passes for, you know, 32 yards and, you know, he's getting 10 PPR points. Whereas in the standard league, you know, he would get three, but I just think in a PPR league, it just expands the, the player pool so much. Um, and I think I've just played PPR so much that, that standard leagues don't really appeal to me whatsoever, but uh, I don't think there's as much of a difference in terms of player value between the two as people want to think there is because, you know, the guys that are going to get the bulk of the work, whether they are, are PPR or not, you know, are still going to be valuable guys. And a lot of times the difference between that between the two scoring systems are only, you know, four or five spots in your ranking. So it's not this wide discrepancy. But for me, I think playing in PPR leagues is more fun because they're more high scoring. And like I said, that player pool just opens up so much. And you can kind of scrounge around and, and get these guys who, you know, are just – you know, pass catchers like in a PPR league, a guy like James White is insanely valuable. Whereas in the standard league, you know, he's he doesn't really hold probably the same value that he would. So, you know, I enjoy going and trying to find guys like that and and, and put them on the back end of my roster and, and and use them somewhere. So PPR for me is the way to go. But I think a good happy medium is that half point PPR, uh, where it still adds values to the guys that you know that. that catch passes but you know then you get these other guys who rack up big yardage and, and they're valuable too all right so uh continuing with the league differences here in your opinion a keeper league or a standard league yeah again i mean i've played both uh the draft i have thursday night is a one keeper league i think for me you know and, and obviously i write for a dynasty website so i, I play in a lot of a lot of leagues where it's, you know, you keep full, full dynasty rosters and, you know, you have rookie drafts. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pander to my audience and say that, you know, I think keeper leagues are definitely the best way to go. But again, you know, it's more fun whenever you've got a chance to draft guys you otherwise wouldn't. And, and that's why, you know, I, I think there's, I think just straight redraft can be a lot of fun and, you know, it gives everybody a chance to have access to everybody in the player pool. Um, but you know, as someone who writes for a dynasty website, I, I, I would kind of have to say that, that playing in keeper leagues is something that I, I'm more geared towards. I, I think I, I don't know that I play in any just straight redraft leagues right now. Uh, every league that I play in, we keep at least one. And, and usually, you know, like the one league I'm in, we just had our draft. It, it was a 53 round draft and we'll keep all 53 guys. So uh, you know, to me, the deeper the better. But but if I had to pick, I would definitely pick a keeper league. I, I just think there's some strategy involved there. And you know, you can get into with keeper leagues. You know, losing losing a draft pick based on the round that you picked a guy. So then you know you start to get into some major strategy there because I you know I've seen some keeper leagues. Like there was a question on Twitter today, and the guy had like James Conner in the tenth, Tyreek Hill in the ninth, Mahomes in the eighth, and Christian McCaffrey in the second. Well, you know, in a redraft league, Christian McCaffrey's the easy pick there, but to give up a, a second rounder for McCaffrey versus giving up a tenth rounder for James Conner, I mean, to me, that's a no-brainer. But there's some strategy involved there, you know, to see where the best value is. So, um, you know, I think those types of leagues are fun. 
and I, and I think it just puts an interesting twist on on you know what you're doing with your league for fantasy purposes. Just one of those little extra things that you can throw in there to just just make guys think a little bit more, so they don't have to be lazy and just say, "Well, I'm going to just keep the best player." Yeah, so for all the listeners out there that don't know what a keeper league is, Jason, could you explain more about what a keeper league is as compared to a regular standard league? Yeah, so with a keeper league, you know, if, if like last year and then the league I'm going to draft on Thursday night, um, I, I've got a 20-man roster and we can keep one guy which means I can keep him. I mean, he is just considered basically my first round pick. Um, you know, and out of that pool, I'm able to, I'm able to keep anybody off my roster that I want to keep. So literally it's exactly how it sounds. You can just keep, you know, whoever off your roster. Um, whereas in, in a straight redraft league, nobody gets kept and you just draft everything from scratch every single year. So everybody goes back into the player pool, you know, you have access to anybody, you know, depending on where you pick, you could, you could, pick anybody that is available so you know thursday night due to melvin gordon's holdout i'm going to end up keeping dalvin cook um you know, i think dalvin cook's gonna have a good year and uh you know he'll essentially be my first round pick and then you know everybody else in the league will do the same thing and then we'll start the draft essentially with round two even though officially it'll be the, the first round picks yeah and um very great insight there uh more strategy than i could either even think about for fantasy football. So continuing here, um, some more players to look out for um, when drafting in this year's fantasy football drafts. Yeah, there's a couple guys this year, and I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to start with later rounds targets. There's a couple guys that I do not want to leave my draft room without picking. And, and one is Matt Burita, um in San Francisco. You know, I, I, they signed Kevin Coleman. But if you look at Kyle Shanahan over the years, most of his offenses have been able to support two running backs. Brita is an excellent pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, he's just tough, man. He, he plays through injury every week. You know, his, his ADP right now uh, is, you know, somewhere down, I think, in probably the 11th or 12th round. So, you know, Matt Brita is a guy, I think, you know, when you look at him, uh, just what he brings to that offense, you know, even, even if it's him and Tevin Coleman kind of in a timeshare situation, when when you look at the value on a guy like that, um, especially in a, in a PPR league where he would definitely give you, you know, those those catches out of the backfield. I mean, he, he made a catch the other night um, from Jimmy Garoppolo for a touchdown. I mean, it was it was a great throw, which was good to see from Garoppolo, but he just made a tremendous catch. And, you know, if you look at his, his ADP right now, I mean, it's, it's a little bit on the rise, but, but you can still get him for the most part, you know, somewhere around probably the, the, the 10th or 11th round. So he's one guy that I'm, I'm not leaving my, my draft room without picking up. Um, another guy, again, a late round target, probably not as late as he would have been is, is Darwin Thompson, the, uh, the running back in Kansas city. And probably we have a Slack chat channel, um, for the subscribers to uh, to Dynasty Football Digest, but back in uh, late July, you know, I got on the Slack chat and I said, "Guys, the the handcuff in Kansas City is Darwin Thompson. It's not Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde is just not good at football." And I said, "You know, Darwin Thompson fits exactly what Randy Andy Reid wants to do. You know, he catches the ball in the backfield. You know, he's shifty. And sure enough, I mean, he's really popped. You know, off the page the first three games, and and you know, Andy Reid is even." 
you know, praised him, you know, when it comes to, to blitz pickup. I mean, he, he had a blitz pickup the other night against Pittsburgh. And I mean, he just absolutely dumped the guy. Uh, and, and that's really for these rookie running backs, what matters. So, so Darwin Thompson um, is another, is another late round running back, you know, for, for someone like me who will probably go with the, with the wide receiver heavy approach uh, on Thursday night, I mean, Brita and, and Thompson represent two guys that, you know, by mid season could have, you know, huge market shares of the carries based on just performance and, and injuries to other guys. I mean, I, I don't think Damian Williams is a lock to do anything in Kansas city uh, in terms of getting, you know, 250 touches or so. So, you know, those, those are two guys at the running back position that, uh, that I'm super high on, um, you know, kind of moving to tight end, you know, I think at tight end, you have a decision to make, you know, you either go after George Kittle, or Travis Kelsey, or Zach Ertz, or, or I think you you kind of have to wait. But a guy, and again, a late round guy, but a guy that I love is Mark Andrews in Baltimore. And you know, last year Mark Andrews kind of had a great connection with Lamar Jackson. And um, you know, I wrote up Mark Andrews in my in my tight end tiers um, back when I did them in July. And you know, Mark Andrews was a guy that I said could could potentially be a top 10 tight end this year. And, you know, he averaged, you know, he had over 500 yards receiving last year, um, which for a rookie tight end, you know, playing in Baltimore's offense is impressive. And, you know, it sounds like, and it looks like everything you've seen in camp and in, in preseason games that, that Mark Andrews could be a guy that could really pop off the page. And he's another guy that you can get in the late rounds, double digit late rounds you know, and kind of wait on tight end if you miss out on one of those top three guys. So, so he would be another guy um, that I would look at late. I, I think, you know, if you want to look at some late wide receivers, I think James Washington from, from Pittsburgh and uh, you know, he, he and Mason Rudolph have had a great connection this summer, you know, whether it's in camp or in these preseason games, but, but James Washington has absolutely just outplayed Dante Moncrief. And I and I'm not real sure what the plan is for Dante Moncrief. And I know some people still think he's gonna be the wide receiver too. But if you look at the Steelers and their track record of second year receivers, um, even since Heinz Ward, um, receivers in Pittsburgh that are in their second season tend to just explode. Juju last year, incredible year, sophomore season, incredible. Um, Marcavis Bryant, his sophomore season had a thousand yards. Um, you want to go back to Plexico Burris, um, same thing. Sophomore season, exploded, had 1,000 yards. Antonio Brown, his sophomore season, that's kind of when he burst on the scene. Heinz Ward, his sophomore season, that's when he burst on the scene. You know, if James Washington can take that, that number two wide receiver spot in Pittsburgh and, and kind of grab hold of it, you know, you could be looking at a guy that could, that could catch, you know, 70 passes, and, and, you know, get close to a, to a thousand yards and, you know, score some touchdowns. So, you know, he's, he's a late round wide receiver target that I, you know, that I'll be looking at to, you know, maybe, maybe draft as my wide receiver for, um, you, know, you know, and hope for some upside there. Um, but moving into, you know, some guys in the earlier rounds, you know, even earlier that, and, and, you know, you got the obvious picks of, of like I said, you got Saquon, you got Zeke, you got Alvin Kamara, you got Christian McCaffrey, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I, you, know, you got all these studs in the first couple of rounds, and I, and I don't really think, I don't really think you can go wrong. But a running back that I've kind of planted my flag with, and, and I wrote him up back in the spring, is Chris Carson. 
in Seattle. Um, you know, that guy, you know, last year, I mean, he had 1,200 yards rushing. And, you know, it sounds like this year he might even catch some passes, but, but he really fits what Seattle's offense wants to do, which is just get downhill and really just, just destroy people. And, uh, you know, Chris Carson is a guy who I think is really underappreciated because a lot of people think that, that Rashad Penny is going to get all these carries. But, you know, um, I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I think Carson had too good of a year last year. I think Carson, even the year before that, before he got hurt, you know, has just been uh, – he's been really good in, in the time that he's been in Seattle. And for a guy that, you know, you're probably looking at a fourth-round pick for someone like that, I, I really think that, that he's he's a guy that, you know, I think in the fourth round you could do you could do much worse than Chris Carson. Uh, you know, and then and then you start to look at guys like even – and I think this is an underrated player too, and, you know, it just seems like he always ends up in the top 24 wide receivers, Jarvis Landry. Um, and everybody's going to look at Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield and, and, you know, Nick Chubb, but Jarvis Landry just seems to go out and catch passes every year and, and does his thing and ends up, you know, ends up being a wide receiver too with upside. So, you know, he's another guy that's getting overlooked. And if, and if you're asking me if I would rather have Odell Beckham in the first round or, you know, Jarvis Landry in the sixth round or the fifth round, I mean, I would much rather prefer, you know, Landry's price tag uh, even even though I think Odell is going to ball out, I would much prefer Landry at that price tag just because of the volatility of, of that Cleveland offense. And while we're talking about them, you know, I think the Cleveland offense in general, for, for people listening to this, you need to be careful there because all of these guys are getting drafted as if they're going to be top five at their position. I mean, Baker's going is like the, the QB three or four. You know, Odell Beckham's going is like the wide receiver four or five. You know, now with with Duke Johnson out of the way and, and that kind of being Nick Chubb's backfield, he's getting drafted, you know, as a, as a back end running back one, you know, David and Joku is getting drafted as a, as a top 12 tight end. I mean, for all of these guys to finish with, you know, with where they are relative to their ADP, I mean, you're talking like a top 5% outcome. So I would be real careful about investing too heavily in the Browns because either, you know, if they're going to have this incredible year where all these guys pan out and they, and they hit value, I mean, you're going to talk about a team that looks like the Patriots from a couple of years ago and they had Randy Moss and, and Tom Brady was around 50 touchdown passes. So I'd be careful there. G- great insight there on players to look out for Jason and um the next question for you what is the importance of studying each player you're trying to get and trying to space out the bye weeks so you don't have multiple people on the same bye weeks and how do you go about switching um your good players who are on a bye week with players who can get back some of your points from that week yeah, I mean, in the draft room, you know, that's that's not a high priority thing for me. Is is not, you know, I don't necessarily base a decision off of off of bye weeks just because, you know, so much can happen in the NFL with injuries. You know, by the time a lot of these teams get on their bye week and and, and week six, seven, or eight, if you've done it right on the waiver wire, you've probably picked up a couple guys that are going to fill in anyways. I, I think the thing to keep in mind with bye weeks is don't let it be you know, the end-all, be-all guiding force for you whenever you're making your draft picks. Uh, but, I mean, you know, obviously don't pick three wide receivers that all have, you know, a, a week eight bye week. But if I'm looking at, 
you know, two players. And I think one is absolutely better than the other. And, but that player, you know, has the same bye week as, as another guy I've already picked at the same position. That does, that really, for me, doesn't mean anything. You know, I'll, I'll get on the waiver wire. I'll find some guys, you know, I'll piece it together for a week, do whatever I got to do. Because the fact is, you know, every owner in your league is going to have to figure out how to deal with, deal with the bye week situation. So it's not like you're the only one in the draft room that's got to deal with that. So, so, you know, be aware of it, but, but don't let it, don't let it be the reason why, you know, the sole reason why you make a decision on a player. Draft the player because he's the best player available. You know, don't don't draft the guy because he's going to fit in, you know, during a bye week that's going to happen, you know, two and a half months from now. You know, he might tear something or, or break something or, or somebody else may do that, unfortunately. And, and, you know, you may be able to pick up his replacement and, you know, then the bye week situation solves itself. So, you know, be aware of it, but but don't don't be so stuck in it that, that you end up making a bad choice on draft day. Yeah, good, great stuff there. And before we let you go, um, two quick questions for you: defenses in the fantasy football leagues. Um, who you picking? The, the first thing I'd say about defenses, and, and again, I've got to kind of show for my audience. I would look to go if, if you're if you play in a league that uses team defenses. Look at going to IDPs, and that's individual defensive players. And I'm not saying you got to go IDP heavy. Maybe you add a, a linebacker and a defensive lineman and a safety the first year. But it's much more fun when you can draft individual players at these positions and drafting a defense. Um, because, you know, with, 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 a def- with defensive scoring the way it is, you know, if, if, I, if I'm picking the Chargers, is you know I think the Cowboys would be the team I would tell most people to pick because they get the Giants week one. You know if you're in your draft and you're like me, I'm looking at the Cowboys because they've got the Giants week one. Eli's going to throw at least two interceptions. You know they're going to get a bunch of sacks. But the thing is, if Dak Prescott throws a pick six, that counts against your points for your defense. So I think you know look at look at going to IDP. That would be one of the things I would tell everybody. Look at going to IDP. Move your league to an IDP league instead of doing this team defense thing. It, it's more fun. You know, again, it, it's a bigger player pool. And, it, and if you start slow and, and you start out with just a couple IDP players, it's not that much research to do. Um, you know, the, the partner site of Dynasty Football Digest is called idpguys.org. And they do an incredible job of, of you know, getting content out there for IDP and, you know, not a whole lot of people know about it, but I know that since joining up with them, I've drafted. I mean, I, I did a draft Sunday that was strictly IDP. Like, there's no offensive players on the teams, uh, and it was definitely different. But it, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So that that would be what I would be looking towards. But to answer your question, you know, the Cowboys would be a team I'd look at on draft night just because of their first their first week matchup. Um, you know, the Chargers are another one. I think the Chargers are loaded. Uh, even though they're going to face Mahomes twice this year. I mean, I think the Chargers are loaded defensively. And, you know, I know losing to Derwin James hurts, but I just think the Chargers have so much talent on their defense. Uh, and then, again, Pittsburgh. I mean, they've looked great uh, in the preseason so far. And, and, you know, they don't get the respect that they deserve anymore because they've been so bad the last couple of years. But it looks like they're healthy up front. It looks like Devin Bush is going to make a difference in the middle. So, you know, if you if you want some defenses, and don't be that guy who picks a defense in the tenth round or the eighth round. It, it rarely does that work out where that defense returns value. 
you know, from year to year, there, there's so many changes on defense and there's just so much volatility there. Wait until your last pick of the draft to pick a defense. Save yourself, you know, that humiliation of what's going to be, you know, don't, don't take the bears in the eighth round because you think they're going to be this monster defense. You know, take a defense with your last pick, build value in your other picks, you know, and just go get someone who the first week you can target that's, that's going to face a team that's going to throw a lot of picks and, and it's going to get a lot of sacks. All right. Uh, last question for you here, Jason, how many fantasy football leagues are you in this year? <sighs> Too many. <laughs> um, let's see. One, two, ten, eleven. Wow. If, if you count, if you count best ball leagues, oh lord. If you count yeah. best ball leagues, I mean, it's it's probably twenty. <laughs> you know, I mean, and you know, the best ball is easy. You know, you just draft it, and, and you just draft it, and, and the high. You know, they they take your high score every week. You don't have to make free agent pickups or anything like that. It's it's draft and go. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, probably in 20 leagues. I mean, Sunday mornings will be busy Tuesday and Wednesday nights for waivers will be busy. Um, you know, but some of those leagues are dynasty leagues too. So, you know, sometimes they're a little bit less maintenance in terms of pickups just because some of them are so deep. So, but yeah, I mean, and you know, when, when I'm writing for the, for this site and I talked about this on, on, you know, the sites podcast a couple of weeks ago, you know, I'm providing people a service as, you know, as it goes. And, and I think it's important for me to play in every type of league that I can just to make sure that, you know, if somebody in Slack has a, has a question, you know, I want to be able to answer it with experience. So if I've got a guy who's in a 16 team PPR league that keeps two players, you know, I want to have some kind of experience playing in something close to that. So I can answer his question off of, you know, what I've done in the past. I don't want to just fly into a blind and be like, well, this is what I would do. Cause you know, I'm playing with somebody else's roster, which really, you know, it isn't fair to them if I just, you know, answer the question without having some kind of basis of knowledge. So, yeah, I try to play as much as I can. And, you know, I'll, I'll slide into some DFS, too, on DraftKings and FanDuel on Sundays. And, you know, I'll be uh, – I'll have Sunday ticket on, and I'll be hanging out downstairs with my kids and, and watching football. It's it's a great time of year, though, Josh. I'm, I mean, this, this time of year is the best. You know, I think the fall is awesome with, with all we have going on with football and you know, it, it flies by, but, you know, this is a great week, and, and I'm looking forward to getting started. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to football season. I'm counting down the days. I cannot wait for the 100th season of the NFL to kick off. Jason, a lot of great content for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show with us. Once again, that is Jason Kamlowski. You can find him on Twitter at Jason Kamlowski. I will tag him in this segment, and – yeah, um, wish you the best of luck in all your leagues, and thanks for all the great insight, Jason. Hey, you too, Josh. You guys that, that uh, you know, see me on Twitter, ask it, ask any questions that you want to ask. You know, the DMs are open, or, you know, you can just, just shoot me a message on Twitter. I'd be happy to help out, happy to answer anything you guys got, and, uh, and best of luck this year. All right. Um, that's Jason Kamlowski. Thank you, Jason. Hey, you're welcome, Josh. Thank you. The Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast part of the Mayo Please Podcast Network, is sponsored by Route 11 Chips. Make sure you find a bag today at your local Food Lion, Martins, and Giant stores. Be sure to look us up on social media as well. For Facebook, the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. For Twitter, at Kirby on Sports. For Instagram, 
at Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Just search the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. You can also listen on www.mayoplease.com. If you have any questions for the show, shoot us an email, kirbyonsports at gmail.com. All right. Thank you once again to Jason Kamlowski for that wonderful fantasy football interview. You can find him on Twitter at Jason Kamlowski. And I, I, I think he's really good at what he does, providing fantasy football content. So make sure you check him out. Um, we talked about the NFC West and the AFC South. We'll finish off the division previews, starting with the NFC South and finishing with the AFC West. The NFC South compiled of the New Orleans Saints, Atlanta Falcons, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Carolina Panthers. Um, this division is relatively easy for me. Um, I have the Saints first place, the Falcons second place, the the Panthers in third place, and the Bucks struggling at fourth place. This isn't an easy um, division for me to predict, but, you know, Carolina, I want to start off with them. With Cam Newton's injury, will he be 100% ready to go for this upcoming season? Um, Ron Rivera taking over the defensive play calls. So, um, definitely they're trying to improve on the defensive side of the football. Um, but the Panthers, I, I feel like they're in a regression mode, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Bruce Arians, I still think it, they won't have that great of a season, even with Bruce coming back. Jameis Winston under center, I just don't think um, the Carolinas could, uh, Carolina Panthers could fall to fourth place with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being in the position that they are in, in my opinion. Um, the New Orleans Saints, as you know, um, you know, lost that game in the NFC Championship. I think... They're ready to win a lot of football games after what happened last season. I think the Saints are locked and loaded. Drew Brees is still there. Sean Payton's still at the helm at head coach. You have weapons on the receivers. Um, Their defense is still looking good, in my opinion. I think the Saints lock up first place in the NFC South, hands down. They will make it to the playoffs. I I just think all that anger and rage from not making it to the Super Bowl last year will fuel their success this season. But in my opinion, the Falcons are going to be knocking on the Saints' door along with the Panthers' knocking on the Falcons' door. But I think the Panthers are a solid third place, as I said earlier. The Falcons, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones still there. Um, That's going to be a a dangerous connection. You got the defensive players to look out for. Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones locked in on brand-new contracts. Um, I, I mean, their defense did really well, like allowed maybe... Under 20 points a game, I think, which is really, really good. And the the Falcons, I, I think with their running game, Freeman's still there and stuff, they're going to be an easy second-place team. Um, 
And the Buccaneers, as I said before, Bruce Arians coming back. Jameis Winston still on our center as far far as my knowledge. Um, I just don't like Jameis Winston. And uh, I just don't think he's a really good quarterback after what he's been doing. You know, all all those allegations and stuff. He got suspended last year for four games. Um, I mean, I I don't like him. And I I just don't think the Bucs are going to have all the potential they need to win. Bruce Arians is a great step taking the place of Dirk Cutter, who is actually now with Atlanta. Um as a coordinator there, if I am correct. Um, but the Buccaneers, um, solid fourth place finish. Um, yeah. So the, I mean, the NFC South was, uh, you, you know, it's up in the air between the Panthers and the Buccaneers, but I think the Falcons and the Saints are an easy one too. So that is the NFC South. In wrapping things up with the AFC West, compiled of the Oakland Raiders, Los Angeles Chargers, Kansas City Chiefs, and the Denver Broncos. Obviously, I want to start with the Oakland Raiders. Um, Antonio Brown's drama with his helmet. I, I still don't understand him, and I, I probably never will. Drama with Antonio Brown. John Gruden in his second year. Um, he's working with a sort of young team. You still have Derek Carr in our center, but with this drama in Antonio Brown, um, I, I'm not sure. I, I just don't know. I can't really make an accurate prediction on what the Raiders are going to do. Last season, they went 4-12. and I wouldn't be surprised if they went 4-12 again this season because uh, I think the Raiders have a lot of work to do. And but you know I wouldn't be surprised if John Gruden can turn that team into a five six or seven win team, but I still think the Raiders will be in fourth place in the AFC West this season. And the two teams I want to talk about: the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers, as you know, Melvin Gordon is holding out. Who knows if he will be back for week one. But you have Hunter Henry, who is a great um, addition, excuse me, a great role at running back to replace Melvin Gordon if he decides to hold out. The Chargers, I have them at a 10-6 and or 11-5 and record. Second place playoffs, no doubt. The Chiefs... They're going to be in first place. You know, last season they made the mistake of letting the Patriots beat them with an offsides penalty. But yeah, yeah, you're looking after this Kareem Hunt loss. Darwin Thompson, like Jason said in that segment I had with him earlier, look out for Darwin Thompson. I uh, completely agree with him. Um, I, I can see the Chiefs losing maybe two games this season, one to the Chargers and one to the Patriots. But it, other than that, I, I think this team's loaded. Still, Patrick Mahomes, still going to be great. And, um, you know, I, I don't see much regression from this team. But the the Chiefs, hands down, they will make it to the playoffs at first place, in my opinion. And last but not least, the Denver Broncos. 
Um, Joe Flacco, uh, new team, new home in Denver. Um, but, you know, he's on the downhill of his career. So who knows if he will play well, you know. So look out for Drew Locke, um, the backup quarterback, just in case Joe Flacco can't get the job done. Because if Joe Flacco can't get the job done, I think um, they're going to make the change for Drew Locke out of Missouri. And um, I don't know. I see them a third-place team, probably 6-8, and 7-9 and nine team around there. I, I say Joe Flacco is a great veteran to have on the team, hands down. But if he doesn't play well, he's going to teach that next guy up in Drew Locke because I, I assume he will be the eventual starter in Denver. Um, my opinion, um, the AFC West is pretty set with the Chiefs in first place, the Chargers in second place, the Broncos in third place, and the Raiders in fourth place. So, without further ado, that wraps up all the division previews. Um, I'm glad um, you all tuned in for all this. Um, it was really great. Thanks to Dan once again for um, joining me for some of them. And I've, I'm finishing off the rest. Um, so, that's all your division previews getting you ready for the 100th season of the National Football League. And that wraps up. This episode of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Make sure you find us on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you know where to find us. Streaming the Mayo Please, the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, SoundCloud. Make sure you email us, kirbyonsports at gmail.com. Thanks once again to Route 11 Chips, Dave Johnson, and as always, JR Beats official, you know, NFL's right around the corner. I am very excited. And the next time you will be hearing from us, me or us, if I get somebody else in or Dan wants to join, will be after the start of the 100th season of the National Football League. It's starting. College football in the NFL are like a week away. College football starts tonight as we're recording. I think Clemson's playing. But we'll, we'll get you news from everywhere. College, NFL, anything. We're back, baby. I can't wait. Till next episode, Josh Kirby signing off saying so long and peace out. <laughs>